Now, as you're able, would you please stand for the reading of the word, which today is gonna be done by the three cutest kids in the world. I'm slightly biased by that, uh, but my kids, Abigail, Landon, and Bennett, are gonna come and read the word for us. For every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Then the, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and, and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. The chief official gave them, the, them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Michelle, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved to defile himself with the royal food and wine, he, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had accused caused the official to show father and compassion to Daniel, but the official to the Lord Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord the King, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young man your age? The King would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel. Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. The word of the Lord. Maybe seated. Well, uh, happy old year to you. Today it is old year, tomorrow new year, so just in case you were confused by that, that's when we are starting. Uh, today is the last day to get rid of all your bad habits, so <laughs> go home, sleep the day away, eat all your junk food, make sure it's all done today because tomorrow starts a new day. I guess on the flip side of that, today is also the last day to accomplish all your 2023 goals. So anyone a little bit behind on 2023 goals? Maybe, yes, last minute chance to, to make things right. You know, this is the time that we kind of, we look back on, on things that were and we look ahead to things that, that are, that might be, and a lot of people will set new goals, new resolutions for New Year. But the reality is that people are not very good at keeping New Year's resolutions. 
As a matter of fact, most people who make resolutions, only 9% of them apparently make it the entire year. Not a great percentage. That's failing in school by a lot. Like you just have to put your name on the test to do better than that, right, in, in, in class. And so uh, actually 23% of people will give up their resolution within the first week, and 43% of people will give it up by the end of January. So only 57% of people who make resolutions even last one month, that's not very good. The reality is, is that resolutions, while they might be nice and maybe there's good things and good hopes and good intentions, having a resolution is really not enough. Now, as followers of Christ, as we enter into this time where we're looking at what 2023 held, what 2024 might hold, what's in front of us, we should have some goals, maybe a resolution or two. But when we look at it, we should think in the general sense of what our relationship with God looks like. Typically around this time, I always try and say, you know what, my, my goal every new year is that on December 31st of 2024, I'm closer to God then than I am right now today. That should be our goal as followers of Christ, to draw closer to Christ today than we were yesterday, to be closer to Christ tomorrow than we are today. And a year from now that we wanna be more like Christ, that we wanna be closer in our relationship with him. And as we look back on the year, one year from now in 2024, we wanna look back and say, yes, our lives glorified God. Really what we wanna do is sin less and worship more. Give more glory to God, draw closer to him, strengthen our relationship with him. But that's nothing new, that's not surprising. And so some of us will set a resolution for something that we might wanna do as followers of Christ to say, hey, this is how I'm specifically going to do this. But like many, we will fall short. And so what I believe that we need this year is not a resolution, but we need resolve. See, resolution is a decision. Resolve is determination. Resolution is a decision and resolve is determination. And so we realistically, we know what we're supposed to do, right? I mean, you can, you can take this out of the spiritual realm for just a minute. Like we know that we should all be healthy, that we should probably eat less sweets and exercise more. But we don't do it because we don't have the resolve. We know as Christians what we should do. We know that we should sin less. We know that we should worship more. We know that we should be at church. We know that we need to pray and read our Bible we don't need a resolution, we need resolve. And so the question as we get ready to enter into this new year is how will 2024 be any different than every year that has come before? How can we build resolve into our life? Well, to maybe help us answer that question, I wanted to look at the story of someone in scripture who I think had a lot of resolve. When you look at the Bible and you start looking at the characters of the Bible, the different people in the Bible, you see a lot of bad in there. I mean, you just start going down the list. You look at David, well, he had the Bathsheba incident. You look at Moses, and he had a violent encounter with an Egyptian. You look at Paul, who was having Christians in prison. You look at Peter, who kept putting his foot in his mouth. Thomas doubted. I mean, it's all throughout Scripture. You just see all these problems and these sin issues. But there are a few people that you look and you're saying, well, their, their sin is, is there, it's just not evident in scripture because that's not what God is trying to reveal to us. And the story of Daniel is one of those stories of, of, of a man who seemingly doesn't have the big issues that many others had. And one of the reasons that he struggles less than others is because we see early on that he had resolve. And so when we look at Daniel's story and we think of Daniel, you know, we got 
our, our, our kids in here, someone who is under the age of 18, when you think of Daniel, what do you think of? Lion's den, right? Yeah, we think of Daniel in the lion's den. And so we know that, that Daniel was someone who worshiped God and the king had issued an order, a decree, he was kind of tricked into it, but said, hey, if anyone prays to anyone other than the king, then they're gonna be thrown in the lion's den. And scripture tells us that what Daniel did is he went and he prayed three times just as he had always done. Daniel had resolve. And that's what our scripture passage today is going to show us and show us a little bit of how he built resolve as well. And so in chapter one in the book of Daniel, what has happened is that the Israelite people, the Babylonians came in and took over. And instead of just occupying Israel and kind of building their kingdom through occupying this new place, they took all the people from Israel and they brought them to Babylon. And they said, we're gonna build our influence and build our kingdom by stealing all these people and making them come and live in our land and learn our cultures and learn our practices. And so they've brought them into this land. And so here are the Jewish people who have been ripped away from their homes. They're experiencing some level of tragedy and they're feeling really out of place. I don't know about you, but this kind of feels more and more like the world that we live in. More and more, I mean, just in this last year, there have been so many times where I've been sitting around with groups of people that I've met with for years and years that don't trust Christ, that do not put their trust in Christ. And more and more, I'm just feeling like an outcast from these groups. More and more, as I just look around the world, I'm seeing the world move further and further away from the things of God. And so when I look at 2024 and say, hey, I wanna grow closer in my relationship to God, I wanna be more like Christ this year, I'm seeing more and more that that is countercultural. That is different from the world. And so how do we have resolve in a world that's running away from God to stand firm and live for God? Well, here's a part of Daniel's story in chapter one that my kids read for us today. Starting in verse three, it says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So what the king is doing is pretty smart here. He's already brought all these people from Israel, and he's looking around, and he's saying, hey, some of these people are really intelligent. So some of these people have great potential. So why not take the very best of the best and bring them into my palace, train them, get them equipped and ready so that they can come and serve me personally? And so that's what the king is going to do. Well, Daniel and three of his buddies are going to be some of these men who are brought in. And it tells us this, this was their plan for these young men. It says about the king's official that he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official asked, or sorry, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, at Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So what is happening here is that the king has brought them into his palace and he says, hey, I want their talent. I want their brain, I want their skill, I want their muscle, I want, their, you know, I want that, them as people, but I don't want their identity. I, I, I don't want them as Jewish men, I want them as Babylonian men. And so what really is happening here is they're trying to strip away their identity as young Jewish men and trying to identify them as Babylonian men. 
We could say it a little bit differently that what they are doing here is that they are trying to take them away from their allegiance to God and to instead have them pledge allegiance to the king. This is the king's ultimate goal. And so he's doing this in two ways. There's a negative for them and what seems like a positive for them. So the negative is to strip away everything that was. For three years, they're going to be trained in new cultures, customs, and practices. So this is a moment where they're saying, hey, you guys gotta go back to school, learn a new alphabet, learn a new language, and all the books you read before, all the movies you've seen, all the TV shows you watch, all the music you listen to, we're gonna get rid of that, and we're gonna give you a whole new set of things to pay attention to. Because we don't want you to be Jewish anymore. We want you to be Babylonian. We don't want you to pledge allegiance to Yahweh. We want you to pledge allegiance to the king. And so they're trying to strip away that which was. And they're getting to their very deepest part of their identity. As a matter of fact, it tells us right there in verse seven that the chief official gave them new names. Now this wasn't just because the Jewish names were hard to pronounce for the Babylonians. They're trying to change their identity. See, each of these young men, their names represented their identity as followers of the one true God. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Hananiah means the Lord has been gracious. Mishael is who is what God is. And Azariah means the Lord has helped. And so the Babylonians, they take these names and they say, no, 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 we don't, we don't want your allegiance to be to, to God, to Yahweh. So we're gonna need to change your names because your names represent your allegiance to God. So they change their names to Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all these names represent allegiance to a false god. Belteshazzar to the god Bel, Shadrach and Meshach to the god Aku, and Abednego to, it was a servant of Nego is what that, that term means. And so with all of them, they say, hey, you no longer belong to Yahweh, you no longer belong to God. No, you belong to Babylon. You belong to the king. You belong to our gods. And so they're stripping away their identity as followers of Yahweh, as followers of the one true God. And they're saying, you belong to something else. And so what I want us to be aware of as we talk about resolve is that we need to understand that culture wants people to conform. Culture wants people to conform. Now, here, the Babylonians, they're not even hiding it. They're not pretending that they have any other intentions. They're saying, hey, yeah, we do not want you to be what you were. We want you to be something different. But in culture in our world today, there are many areas where people, maybe they don't even realize it themselves. It's a more subtle thing. But when you start paying attention to the music that is popular, to movies that are popular, if you get on social media and you get on something like TikTok or Instagram Reels and you start paying attention to what's out there, you watch the news, everyone has a narrative that they're trying to push and they're trying to get you to conform to their narrative. Now what's happening here is that the enemy has taken something that was good and meant for good and turned it into something evil. We were made for community. We were made to encourage and to strengthen and to challenge one another. But we were made to do that in relationship with God. And so we were meant to point one another to God. But the enemy has come along and, and said, yeah, have your community, but have it be about something that's other than God. Try and draw people to making something else the most important thing in their life. And so when we look around, we have to be aware that our culture has a message for us. And more and more, the message of our culture is not what the message of scripture is. 
And so we have to be prepared to have resolve for ourselves. But the other thing is, we have to be prepared to have resolve to help our kids and our young people to make sure that they have resolve for the world that they are going to face as well. Because here they took the young men and they pulled them aside and said, we'll get them when they're young. And our culture and our world is gonna try and do the same thing. This is why I'm so proud to be a part of a church that believes in the next generation. I mean, looking back on what happened in 2023 and looking ahead to what is gonna happen in 2024, like God is on the move in our students and our kids' ministry. I'm so grateful that these are things that we as a church value. The reason I love having my kids up here is because I love having my kids be a part of this church. The two older ones, they are both part of our kids' leadership program and they love it and they're growing in their knowledge of God and they're getting the opportunity to serve one another and to serve God in the church. I mean, our middle school and high school have student leadership. My daughter, who is in fifth grade, which is insane to me, um, she is getting ready to go to Wolf Mountain in May and then she's gonna be going to middle school summer camp in the summer, help me. Um, but I mean, we have youth citywide. I mean, we just have all these opportunities and this is what we need as a church family, as individual families. We have to be discipling our kids because if we're not doing the discipleship, someone else will. And so there are a lot who are gonna try and strip away the connection to Christ and the identity in Christ and point them to something else. And it's not all gonna feel negative. As a matter of fact, for these young men, they were offered food at the king's table. They were offered a place at the palace. They were offered comfort and power and wealth. They were offered wisdom that the Babylonians could provide to them. And so on the positive side of things, they were saying, hey, here's all the things that you get. Yeah, you gotta leave some things behind. I know that's kind of a bummer, but here's all the things you get. Look at all the gifts and the glory that you can receive. And so we have to be aware of these tricks that the enemy is trying to play. And we have to be resolved. It tells us in verse eight that Daniel was resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. See, we need to be resolved in our commitment to Christ and our obedience to him. We need to be resolved in our commitment to Christ and our obedience to him. This is what Daniel was resolved to do. He said, I belong to God. My commitment is to him. It's not to myself. That's a really hard one to get past. It's not to the things of this world. It's not any person in this world. My commitment is to Christ. That's what our commitment needs to be. And if we are committed to Christ, then we need to live in obedience to Christ as well. This is what Daniel was doing. And so when everything was offered to him, when they said, hey, we'll give you the very best of the best, Daniel was able to say no because he had resolve. Now the question then is, okay, well how did Daniel even know that this is something he shouldn't do? The reality is he knew these foods would defile him for two reasons. One is that there were mosaic laws that said which foods you were to eat and which foods you were not to eat. Now horse meat and pork meat were, were Babylonian delicacies. And these are both things that mosaic law said that, that people who were following God were not supposed to eat. So these young Jewish men understood that. Also, they were to avoid food that was sacrificed to idols. And kings at this time would sacrifice the food to the idols or to a false god and then would present it to their people. So Daniel and his friends recognized that this food is not what we are supposed to be eating. And they did that because they knew the word of God. 
And so if we want to honor God, we need to know his word. If we want to honor God, we need to know his word. Now, our resolve is not going to come from making a one-time decision and then assuming that we're set for life. Our resolve is gonna come from countless small decisions each and every day that help strengthen our relationship with Christ. So for example, we want to know God's word. Now it's easy to look at the beginning of the year and say, you know what I wanna do? I wanna read the entire Bible this year. That is a great goal. As a matter of fact, I have a Bible reading plan that you can join me on. You can get added if you go to cccnow.com groups and then click on home groups and then you'll find the read the Bible in a year plan. We have over 50 people already who are signed up to read through the Bible. I don't know how many that's their first time that they're gonna attempt this and hopefully get through it but I had a group of people that just are finishing, just finished today, and some of them finished for the very first time. I heard some stat the other, yeah, praise God for that. I heard a stat a couple months ago that 80% of Christians have never read the entire Bible. We need to change that. And I hope that at Christ's community that that percentage of people who have not read through the entire Bible is a lot lower. Now here's the thing. What I like about the plan that, that, that I'm participating in, that I'm inviting some others into, is that every day it has three sections. It has a part of a Psalm or a Proverb, part of a New Testament passage, and part of an, uh, some Old Testament passages. And what I like about this is that it helped me when I first started this plan, it helped me to build my resolve because every day I said, you know what? There's like 10 verses in either the Psalms or the Proverbs. I can do that every day. No matter how busy I am, no matter how crazy my schedule is, no matter how many times I snooze my alarm, like I have like one to two minutes because that's all it takes to read those Psalms and Proverbs. I have a minute where I can just open the word and spend the first couple minutes of my day in reading scripture. And so at the very least, I always read that piece of scripture. And almost every day, I'm able to get through that and the New Testament for sure. Almost every day now, I'm able to do the Old Testament as well. But there were days early on where I'd fall behind in the Old Testament but because I'd built up that habit of reading scripture by starting small and making a daily decision, I found time later in the week to catch up on what I had missed before. Now it's something that for me, I can't go a day without reading my, without reading my Bible. That wasn't always true for me, but it started with a small step forward. And that's how we build resolve into our life. It's not taking big giant leaps. It's not making a new New Year's resolution every single year and failing in the first week. It's today saying, you know what? How can I get closer to Christ today? And I'm gonna take one step today and tomorrow I'm gonna take another step and then another step. And then I'm probably gonna take a step back because I'm gonna make a mistake and I'm gonna mess up, but then I'm gonna keep walking forward, taking one step, one foot in front of the other each and every day, each and every moment. And so you wanna build a habit of prayer? That's great. Can you start by praying before all three meals? You wanna build a habit of prayer? Start by praying every night before you go to bed. You wanna build a habit of fellowship? That's great. Can you commit to 52 Sundays? Can you commit to next Sunday? Let's start there. Put it in your calendar and schedule. Hey, I'm gonna be a part of this. Can you get plugged into a Jonah group, which is only six weeks long, and say, you know what? I'm gonna be a part of this study as our church is doing this together. I'm gonna be plugged into fellowship and into deeper study of the word. Resolve is about taking one step after the other. Now we know what decisions we need to make because we know the word, but resolve is being built over time in community 
step by step by step. And so Daniel was resolved to not defile himself and God was pleased with this. It says in verse nine that it says, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Now let's pause there because we need to remember that when we serve God, he is doing the hard work. When we serve God, he is doing the hard work. It said that God caused the official to show favor to Daniel. Daniel was not alone in his resolve. His resolve came from God working on his heart. His resolve came from his relationship with God. But in his resolve and in his commitment to follow God, God was working on those around him as well. See, Daniel wasn't just having this conversation by himself. Daniel was having a conversation with someone who had already been affected by God's work going before Daniel. When we think about being resolved as a follower of Christ, we realize that's not going to be easy, but it's not up to us. God is the one who is doing the hard work that's in front of us. And then look at the interaction and how Daniel handled this in verse 10. It says, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And so what I want us to understand through this conversation and what we need to do is that we wanna stand firm in our convictions, but we also want to gracefully invite people to Jesus. So our resolve is important that we are gonna hold on to the word of God. We're gonna hold on to our relationship with Christ and we are not going to be swayed from that. But in doing that, our goal and our heart should also be to bring other people along with us. As a matter of fact, part of the reason that we are starting this Jonah series next week is that Jonah had a life mission that was given by God to go to a people that he didn't wanna be around and to invite them into relationship with God, to speak against the evil that was going on, but to point them to something greater. And so we're gonna be talking about how do we live out a life on mission for Christ? Knowing God is with us, knowing that we have a relationship with him, how do we invite others into that relationship as well? And so I'm excited to kick off that series this next week. But what we get wrong too many times is that we look and we see everyone as the enemy and we treat them as an enemy and we treat them with hostility because they're treating us with hostility. But Daniel demonstrates speaking the truth in love. Yes, he holds tight to his convictions, but he is gracefully inviting others to come along with him. And so for Daniel, he said, hey, can we please do the things that God has re required us to do, the things that God has desired for us to do? And the king's official said, I can't let you do that. I'd like to, but I have other people that I gotta report to. And so Daniel said, hey, what if we just do it for 10 days? Just do it for 10 days and see what God might do. And the king's official said, yes. I think this helped Daniel in his interactions with all these people who were really enemies of God, enemies of Daniel, enemies of his people, but Daniel still knew how to treat them with love while speaking the truth and holding on to his convictions. This is why when you think about the, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, 
There were people that were trying to accuse him and they looked and they studied him and the only thing that they could find was that he worshiped God. And they said, the only thing we can accuse him of is worshiping God. I hope that that's true of us as well. That people will look at our conduct, they'll look at our life, they'll look at the things we say and they'll say, the only thing I can accuse them of is that they are followers of Christ, fully committed to him. This is who Daniel was. And when you handle these things in a godly way, here's what happens. In verse 15, it tells us that at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Now I'm gonna be honest, this still feels like a punishment to me. (laughs) But the point of this verse is actually not that Daniel and his friends got what they wanted, but they got what was right in the eyes of God. They didn't glorify themselves in this moment. They glorified God. And that's what this whole thing is about. Our resolve is not about us at all. It's about us pointing people to Christ. It's about our identity in him. And so one of the most important things in creating resolve within us is to understand who we are and to understand whose we are. We don't belong here. Our citizenship is not in this world. So the things of this world do not define us. We are not defined by our money. We are not defined by our power. We are not defined by our relationships. We are not defined by our comfort. And there are things that are more important than you and I. We do not exist to glorify ourselves. We exist to glorify God. And so I want to end today by reminding us of our identity in Christ. Because if we're gonna be resolved and we're gonna grow closer to Christ this year than we were to start, if we're gonna be more like Christ at the end of this year than we are right now today, we need to remember who we are in the eyes of Christ. And so this is what it says in Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five. It says this about God, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are given a new identity And this is who we are in Christ. We are chosen by God. We are seen as holy and blameless in his sight. We are loved. We are sons and daughters of the most high king. This is our identity in Christ when we have received him and put our trust in him. And so if we can wake up every day and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I am loved. I'm a son or daughter of the most high king. I'm chosen for adoption, chosen to be loved. God sees me as holy and blameless. It's gonna help us to have resolve to not be defiled by the things of this world, but to glorify him, to worship him, to grow closer to him each and every day, and to be more like him and to be a light to this world. And so 2024, it's a new opportunity to build some resolve into our life. Build it in the mundane, Build it in the good times, build it in the bad times so that no matter what we face, we are fully committed to Christ. Let's let 2024 be a year where we build resolve 
to not be defiled by the things of this world, but to be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son who offered his life to us so that we can have life with you. God, thank you for your word that leads and guides us. Help us this year to have the courage, the strength, and the wisdom to be people of your word, to each and every day build habits of diving deeper and deeper into your scripture. Not so that we can be filled with knowledge, but so that we can be filled with you so that we can know who you are and how you want us to live. God, help us to build resolve into our life. Holy Spirit, would you work in each and every one of us to give us strength and boldness and courage to say no to the things of this world, to say no to the things that are sinful, and to say yes to the things that are from you. God, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's challenging, when it costs us something, would we still give you everything? because you have given everything to us. So God, thank you for these new identities we have in you, knowing that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are wanted, that we are adopted into your family. Help us to live out of that identity and pursue you with everything we have. We love you, Father, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.